You're listening to the Hit City Podcast with Billy Graves and Suki Suburbia. Alright everybody, welcome to Hit City on the Slasher Sports Show. I am Billy Graves. You can find me on Twitter at HitCityKid. Let me introduce my co-host. You met her last week if you listened to our teaser slash trailer. She is Suki Suburbia. Welcome. Hey y'all. Greetings. You can find us on Slasher Sports, Twitter and TikTok at Slasher Sports, on Instagram at Slasher Sports Media. Guys, we want to hear from you. The listener, you know, follow us on Twitter, download the Anchor podcasting app, and there you'll be able to send us voice recordings with your questions and comments. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll be able to play your question on the podcast. And Suki, speaking of which, we have a listener question right now. Are you ready for it? I'm excited. Let's do it. Hey, guys. This is Colby from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I had this idea uh, in the, in my kitchen a little bit earlier today and kind of wanted to get your thoughts. So has anybody ever taken the concept of like the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas and kind of like made it dark and, and really been like, okay, the Grinch is actually a really bad dude and he's going down to this village. Anyway, you guys are the horror experts. So I thought I'd ask you, let me know, man. Thank you for your question, Colby from Nashville. Hey, you know, I'm I'm from Nashville as well. So... I'm actually from right outside of Nashville. Um, should we dox you, Suki? I don't. I don't know that we should. Are we I supposed think... to tell? Are we supposed to uh, tell people where you're from? Yeah, I'm living in Virginia, but I still feel like the South is represented today. I think so, right? I think it is, and I think it's well represented. Two Nashvilleans, one Virginian. Actually, if you want to count Christian, who's uh, our partner over at Slasher Sports, he's also in Virginia. He's not from Virginia. He's a New Yorker. But let's get back to Colby's question here. He wants to know if there's ever been a film, a horror film more specifically, of The Grinch, how The Grinch stole Christmas. So, um, I mean, honestly, Colby, I don't think there has been a film made of specifically The Grinch. However, there are a lot of Christmas films that have been made into horror films. And I'm going just off, you know, shooting from the hip, thinking about Christmas Evil. Thinking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Black Christmas. I mean, the the list goes on. It, it depends on what you want. Do you want a creature feature? Do you want some kind of slasher flick? But specifically, I do remember Suki. This might be something that uh, that you'd be interested in. Jim Carrey was slated to be in a sequel to How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Really? And it was it was to be titled How the Grinch Killed Christmas or something of that of that nature but it just never did come through i think covid derailed that one and yeah so i mean that would have been a good one where do you stand on christmas films being made into just inherently evil pieces of work i think that let's get back to colby's question that why hasn't it been created already i have no idea i was researching some edits and i saw that just looking at it it is scary It is a scary movie. No one talks about the Grinch. Everyone's afraid to say his name. This man is just roaming the streets, taking people's joy. That Mm. is something we need to capitalize on, and someone needs to make a movie for it. Well, you know, Christmas Evil was a film that was about a guy who, he woke up one morning and saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. 
Okay. Okay. And he didn't just see him kissing. Okay. They were they were doing the hibbity dibbity. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, you okay. see where I'm going with that? This is I a family show, so I don't want to just like come out and say it. I, I gotcha. Well, he woke up that morning, and from that day on, he he swore that he was not going to rob these children of their Christmas. So he would roam the town and basically watch kids from his window. Watching in there, he sees one little girl playing with her dolls and stuff. Looks over the other window, there's a kid reading Hustler. It, it was pretty great. Yeah, it, it, it was a, a, a fun film. Right. But, you know, the, the he ends up, you know, killing half the town because... You know, they, they made fun of him. They made him, you know, made people miss Christmas. And he wasn't, he wasn't about that. So he ends up, you know, killing half the city. And it's Christmas Eve. Look that one up. It's not the Grinch, but he does dress up as Santa Claus. And it's a different take. I, I think a lot of the popular thoughts are going to be towards Silent Night, Deadly Night, and the sequels. Mm-hmm. I prefer Christmas Evil. But Colby, getting back to the Grinch. Um, Suki, you're right. When you piece up How the Grinch Stole Christmas... You could piece that into a legit horror film. I almost see it like the film When a Stranger Calls. Oh, okay? yes. I can when see When a Stranger that. Calls, there's the first part, which is suspense through the roof with the phone calls and whatnot. Well, if you take the first part of How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh-huh. and just leave the evil stuff, like there's never a... He never turns into the good guy. Let's just say he never turns into the good guy. Okay. Well, if you stop when a stranger calls after the police come to the house and realize, you know, well, the call's coming from inside the house. Right. Well, you you have that kind of moment in the Grinch. You've got yourself a real deal Christmas horror film. I like it. Yeah. I think your mind works really well with that. That was good. You think so? Yeah, that was great. I liked it. I could be arrested for something like that, <laughs> but not here. Not between pressing record and pressing stop. Okay. Whoever thank my you, FBI Colby. agent is, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Colby, for your question. Um, hopefully that satisfies your answer. I, I know you were looking for a Grinch movie, but you're not going to get one right now, at least. I don't think it's in existence unless it is, I don't even want to say B movie, if it's like F movie, F minus movie. It, it, it may be out there, but I'm, I can't pull one out of my hat right now, but hopefully one of these days, maybe Jim Carrey jumps back on board and does that sequel finally maybe maybe Maybe. well suki i mean we're here on this reformatted episode of hit city on the slasher sports show and uh i just gotta ask how how's your week been since we talked last week how's how's your week been it's been pretty good um the devil has decided to sit down in virginia and rest his head here so Mm. it's been kind of hot and I, I grew up military, so I was actually born in Oklahoma. So I understand heat, because I don't know if anybody's been to Oklahoma. There are no trees. There are no trees. You're and illegal. it's just heat. But the Virginia heat this past couple of weeks has killed my soul. How have you been? Well, I, I've been okay. Um, I just started a, uh, a leg workout program. Okay, it's titled Squat Every Day. Okay? I'm no, a... Uh, yeah, that... I read that the first time and and I had the same type of thought because, you know, nobody likes leg day, but leg day is only my second least favorite day of the week. Okay. My very least favorite is back day. I do not like back day, specifically lower back day. I just turned 40 not long ago. I don't know if you knew that, 
but I just turned 40 and the lower back's not doing the things that it used to do. Okay. I mean, before I might just, you know, go out in public, maybe throw my foot up on a bench, you know, Lies. kick that hip okay. out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let, let the gals look. Might even shake it a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Like, like ravishing Rick Rude out there in his, in his, in his robe, you know, mm-hmm. just cut the music. So, but now not so much. But I, I, when I turned, mm, no, when it was, it was still January and I decided that I was going to go ahead and start hitting the gym hard. Okay. Not hard, but like religiously go daily. Even if I'm only doing a little bit, I'm still getting a good workout, but I subscribed to bodybuilding.com and they are not a sponsor. So don't tell them I sent you, but definitely check them out on bodybuilding.com. I subscribe to, uh, you know, a couple of things, you know, one being the, the thing that, you know, lets me get a bunch of supplements and I get free shipping and, uh, member discounts and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, part of that is, you know, a long list of programs that I can follow if I want to be heavy on like building muscle or losing fat or just getting in shape or, you know, performance type thing. Well, I decided that I was going to do this one called squat every day because my legs have always been like one of my weak points. Okay. Well, it's been killing me. I'm on day number four now. Tonight okay. after we finish. Thank you. Tonight after we talk, day number four will commence. And I can tell you right now, I'm hurting. Right. I'm hurting for certain. I'm glad it's you and not me. Well, thank you. But I'm telling you right now, Squattober is going to be in full effect. Okay. Yeah, you've heard of like, uh, well, that's just when the legs are going to be jacked. Okay. 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 I'll be able to squat a Buick by then. Oh, okay. Okay, like a LeSabre, something that's pretty pretty good size, not one of those little wimpy, you know, small Buicks. I'm going to be squatting a, yeah, I'm going ham. Okay, people say going ham, hard as a mother. That's what I'm doing. So, you know, as I'm working out last night, I pull up my, uh, my Spotify playlist, okay? My Spotify playlist is pretty important because it keeps people out of my ear that I don't want in my ear, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember a few years back, the band Disturbed had a, a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's uh, Sound of Silence. Okay, yeah. Very good song, okay? So I thought to myself, man, I really want to hear this live. So where do you go when you want to see live videos? You go to YouTube. Do you not? You do. You do. So I put in Sound of Silence live by Disturbed. And I found a couple of nice, you know, videos. But I saw something that really, (laughs) this really chaps my ass, Suki. Okay? Okay. Reaction videos. Do you know what I mean by reaction videos? Yeah. Okay. You're looking for the main source of the information. And all you find out is everybody else who viewed it and their reaction to what you're trying to find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I found a couple that I liked. Okay. However, I did find a, a very large list of reaction videos. First of all, I don't know why you would want to enjoy something and watch someone else's reaction on it. I guess that's what people are doing here, though, right? That's what they're doing with us. So please take that back. Okay, what else happened? I, I take that much back. <laughs> However, most of these videos are titled Vocal Coach Reacts to the Sound of Silence by Disturbed. You're going to tell me, mm-hmm. 
Suki Suburbia in the year of our Lord 2022 that these vocal co- vocalist coaches are in the music industry for all intents and purposes. They might not be in on the you know the signing of artists or the performing. Well, listen, they are in the music industry, and you're going to tell me that in in March of 2022, this vocal coach is just now hearing. The Sound of Silence by Disturbed for the very first time. This is a song that's been on soundtracks. It was one of like the biggest hits that when it was new, it was all over the radio. And you're telling me that a guy that's in a metal band who probably has one of the more highly regarded voices in all of heavy metal. Right. You're just now hearing that? I call bullshit right now, Suki Suburbia. I'm not going to stand for it. Right. Okay. Okay. And I don't like it. it, It's disingenuous. It is a bold-faced lie. (laughs) These videos are being created to make you think this is a genuine reaction to sounds you've never heard. And I could just, like, see the guy with his hand on his chin. Like, oh, he he really added some some heat to his voice there. He, like, dude, you're lying. You've heard this song a thousand times. I believe him. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go the opposite. I think it's a real reaction. And they are giving you their hearts at that moment. I think that you should give them that chance to give you that video of a 1974 song in 2022. I think that you should go that route. These people are giving you what they have and you should receive it. It's what I think. Suki, you've got reaction videos up on YouTube, don't you? I do. I do. And I don't like the way you're judging me right now. And what I'm saying to you is I believe every single one of those people. Every single, every single one of those people, including you, are going to get thumbs downs from me (laughs) on your YouTube videos. Sound like a big hater. That's what you sound like. And that had a real reaction. I don't like people lying to me, Suki. Okay, I don't like people lying to me, and I think that's what they're doing. They're lying straight to my face. I'm gonna tell you what happened. He heard the song on the radio, and he said, "I remember the first time I heard this song. I should let other people see my reaction to the first time I heard this song." And then he did a video about it. And you got to enjoy it. I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell to, sell to you. If you believe such a thing. <sighs> well, speaking of being optimistic, okay. Suki, we've got our first preseason game against Carolina coming up. I'm talking about the Washington Commanders. Oh, wow. Why it's coming up. What is it, Saturday? Yeah, yeah, it's here. It's football season. It's in the air, and we are smelling it. But are we smelling something good? What do you think? I hope so. First of all, I'm being in Nashville. I'm in Titans country, and I don't really get a lot of the local, you know, Washington Commanders news. I guess. And I would like more of it. I I do listen to, you know, some of the guys on uh, what what is it? Uh, One o something something. The fan. Mm -hmm. I think that's who they are. Like Kevin Sheehan and all those guys. I know everybody's got their favorites, but I'll listen to, you know, Doc Walker and all those. And I don't even know if he's still doing his thing. I know Galdi got cut a couple of years ago, but it is what it is. But hey, Carson Wentz is going to play. A lot of people are resting their quarterbacks. Carson Wentz is going to play. And have we we done that before with RG3? Have we been here before with playing a quarterback into the ground or, or no? I'm just asking. I'm asking you, what do you think? Well, I, I remember 
there being two sides of the fence, two sides of the coin. Like, yeah. oh, he's too young. He doesn't need to play in the preseason. But he needs to play in the preseason. Well, no, he's injury prone, so he doesn't need to play in the preseason. Right. Now, listen, if you can't trust your guy in game one for a couple of series, right. then you don't need to have him. Um, I do I do think we're going to see a lot of uh, Taylor Heineke, and I'm pretty happy about that. I'm good with that, too. Yeah, yeah, but Wentz and McLaurin uh, apparently are still working on their chemistry since you know Terry's was he was negotiating that deal during OTAs, so they didn't mm-hmm. get a lot of reps together. Um, I think this this preseason, especially game two and game three, are gonna be pretty telling what to expect. But nobody ever really plays the full playbook, no. you know. No. It's they, they they play really vanilla plays, but it's gonna be good to see you know the commanders uniforms out there for the first time yeah. and yeah. knowing that we've got our guys. I, the one thing I, that I'm just hoping and praying doesn't happen is any catastrophic in- injuries. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down last season, and I believe it was game one, like in the first quarter, that, you know, that can really dictate your whole season, especially if a yeah. big-time player like that goes down. Well, yeah, yeah. And it kind of gets the fans kind of down once we start seeing players start getting um, out. You know, it's like, who do we have? For me... I want to travel to every away game. I have this goal of hitting every single stadium in the United States. But my first way is to start off doing the away games for for the Commanders. So this is well. This there's is my- there's no better way to do it. Yeah. Start, follow your team like a like a groupie. It's my thing, and they love me for it. First of all, we know when they were on Twitter and they were following people, I was followed by them, and I would use it to pick up men at bars. So. Oh really? Yeah, that that would pick me up. (laughs) Just flash it to him, you know. The only the only important people that follow me, well, there's some you know baseball players that follow me because you know we're here in Nashville and I'm really singing the praises of our Nashville sounds. But I guess the most important person to follow me would be like Margaret Cho. I love Margaret Cho. Yeah, Yeah, I love Margaret Cho. Well, what's going on in the world, Suki? Um, Well, first of all, we lost uh, Olivia Newton John. Yeah. R.I.P. to her. What, what do you know? What do you know her best from? What, what all she done besides Greece? I mean, she's an icon and music. She like ushered in the working out revolution. You know, was that her? Wasn't she? Let's get physical, right? Wasn't that her? Am I getting my pretty blondes mixed up? Because I don't believe I am. Well, I thought that was Kylie Minogue. Was it Kylie Minogue? Hell, okay. I don't know. Google this right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You go- are Google it for me. I know she was a musical icon. She was a music icon. I do know that. But for what song? Who who did the locomotion one? That's was that Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hold on. Don't be calling yeah. me a liar. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't dare call you a liar. Um, I, I've been wrong more times than I've been right in my life. And this is probably one of those times. But Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical. So so, tell me what did um what did Kylie Minogue do? Do that for me, if you would. I, I think that was the locomotion. Yeah, Kylie. Um, yeah, she has lots of. But she she's been out since we, forever. Kylie has a very long history of songs. But oh her- yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, Olivia Newton John doesn't have any horror credits. I, I think she did appear in one of the Sharknado films uh, in a very small part. But yeah. um, yep. So she um Kylie was locomotion. But no, I don't believe Olivia did any any of the horror stuff. But well, yeah, she was, was 73. Kind of, yeah, 73. Sad. Very sad. So R.I.P. to her. Uh, R.I.P. to Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian. Finally calling it quits. Who could have guessed? Who could have guessed? Literally the United States. Oh, 
Okay. So but yeah. they, they, they weren't, they weren't one of those pairs that was going to just stay together forever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't feel any toxicity when, when I saw yeah. that they were together. Pete is just here to help women get over their losses, and then he moves on to the next lady love. He's just here to help for a little bit. Oh, so he's like Betty Wright, the the cleanup man. He's like the cleanup man. He comes in, <laughs> fixes this stuff, and then rolls on out. Gotta give him well, money. well, you know he is collecting bodies, but not in the way that you're thinking. He's in a film that's coming up. I believe it's releasing tomorrow called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. You like how I segued into that? I like it. I'm over here yeah. amazed right now. Like, amazed. Yeah, I'm, I'm a wordsmith, okay? Well, it was released uh, last week in uh, okay. you know certain certain markets. But it's about a group of uh, rich 20-somethings who plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion. Uh, the, the party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing. Fake uh-huh. friends, Suki. Fake friends. Yes. And one party gone very, very wrong. Ah, sucky, sucky now. I'll be seeing that one. Yes, I'm ready. Yeah, I'll be using my uh, my membership at Regal Cinemas to, to catch it on the big screen. It looks like it might be fun, uh, even though I don't care about any of the cast. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's full of people that you know, my kids know that I do not know, except for <laughs> Pete Davidson. I don't know anybody else. That's just how it works. Um... So Taylor Swift said that she'd never heard of 3LW until her song Shake It Off got sued for plagiarism. You're rolling your eyes. Your eyes could roll into outer space right now. <laughs> just don't. I just, okay, I'm listening. What, what you got? What you got? Well, that's what I've got. That's what I've got. Okay. okay. So by all means, it looks like you've got something to say about it. All I'm saying is, yes, she did start off as country. But she's been pop for a lot longer than she's been country. And we wouldn't have had any problems had she not tried to trademark players they going to play. Which obviously did not come from Taylor. Like, in what universe does anybody think she's the first person to come up with this phrase? She was trying to get a trademark, I believe. And that's why we're here now. So she was trying to trademark players going to play. Oh, my God. Taylor Swift. Holding the right to a phrase that's like been in the atmosphere for like eons. So what was the 3LW song that contained that lyric? Do you know? Yeah. Because I'm from the same the same state as Taylor Swift. Okay. So you never heard it either? I barely heard of 3LW. <laughs> when, they, when they said 3LW, I said, wait a minute. You're talking about the, the the group from the early '90s, and then I thought, no, wait, that's SWV, oh, wrong God. wrong acronym. That <laughs> that's who I liked. I you know I was about SWV and En Vogue and right. <laughs> and and when they said three LW, I said, well, hell, I'm from the same place she is. If I hadn't heard of them, then she hasn't heard of them. Okay, well, regardless, well, players they're gonna play. And haters, they, haters, they're gonna hate. Whatever. Regardless, the writers in the room, they know the song. Oh, they knew the song. There's other people in that room besides Taylor Swift, and they are older, and they're in the industry, and they knew the freaking song. Does she not like write all of her music though? She has help, and when you look at the credits, there's a couple of different people in there. Okay. 
Well, you you would know far better than I would. I, I don't really keep up with Taylor Swift except for the fact that she's from here, and that, that's that's <laughs> really all I can pop. say. I keep up well, with the, pop music, so well that's important um, to this conversation though because you're educating me. I, I don't I don't have any I don't have a dog in this race or a horse in the race, a dog dog in the fight. I don't. However, the phrase goes, I can't trademark it because I can't even get it right here. So she says, players going to play, play, play. Haters going to hate, hate, hate. And here I'm thinking, Stevie Nicks said, players only <laughs> love you when they're playing. So, so I'm a little bit older than <laughs> than this than this situation. No, and I'm obviously in I'm, the wrong decade. I'm 42. This excuse is terrible that you have. Well, I'm older than this situation, is okay, what I mean. Yeah, I like B- between Taylor Swift, who I don't pay attention to musically, and... 3LW, who I mistook for SWV. <laughs> so I'm just in the wrong universe altogether. Yeah, I think um, I think I can understand, like, maybe you've, um, like, hearing words, and if you're a writer, then it comes through because you heard the phrase, someone saying it, but probably heard it because people were seeing it in school, and she didn't realize because she was country at the time. That might have happened, too. But yeah, there's a lot of funny instances. I, I believe Sam Smith, the the pop singer, got sued by Tom Petty for a song uh, "Stay with Me" that supposedly plagiarized, or maybe there was copyright infringement of some sort on mm-hmm. "Won't Back Down." When I listened to "Stay with Me," I said, "Okay, it sounds a little like Won't Back Down." So how do you win a case like this? And that makes me want to like write a song and then just listen to everybody. And if they plagiarize it even for a moment, their careers belong to me. Oh, you're ready for the war already. You're just I'm ready for the okay. war. Listen, uh-huh. everybody's got their Vietnam. Okay. <laughs> and this is mine. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how it plays out, but I I don't it was a very, very popular song. Very. So we'll I don't know. But both were. Hers hers was too, so well, how can it be popular if I hadn't heard it? it okay, well, moving on, though. Um, Lady Gaga got slapped in the head while she was performing by mm-hmm. some random object thrown on stage. Okay. And my question there is, who on earth pays those ridiculous amounts for concert tickets mm-hmm. to just go there and do something that they know is going to get them thrown out of the building? Especially on a goddess like Lady Gaga. I have no idea, especially when we just got let back outside. You know, they had us in the house for two years. We just got let back out. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> Listen, get it. a lot of y'all been wanting to get back out. I've been trying to find ways to stay in. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I've got for trending topics this week. Hey, what uh-huh. is what does the Eiffel Tower and a tick have in common? Eiffel Tower and a tick have in common. Where are you coming from with this, Suki Suburbia? Hmm. I give up. Tell me. They are both parasite. 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 You know it's funny. I don't know why you're acting like it's not funny. That was that was amazing. Eiffel Tower, ticks, parasites. Fine. You really thought you did something with that, didn't you? It was amazing. And people are going to tell you. They'll tell and you. Is, is that considered a... Uh, a dad joke. Suki's dad jokes. So that's considered a, da- a dad joke. And I just want to know how very dare you uh-huh, uh-huh. tell a dad joke uh-huh. and you're not a dad. 
I'm amazing. And that was the greatest joke ever. And on top of that, on top of that, isn't the, the Eiffel Tower in France? It is because it's in Paris, right? Well, you telling dad jokes and not being a dad, wouldn't that make you a faux pas? <laughs> French 101 for the win. Do that to me on purpose. Are you serious right now? Hit that, okay. hit that reverse card. Okay, that was good. Hit that, that reverse card good. on you. Yeah. I don't even play Uno and I got a reverse card up my sleeve. <laughs> Well, it's probably time to look at some upcoming horror films. What do you say, Suki? I'm ready. Well, we need to look at some that are releasing soon, okay? And very big thank you to UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. You can log on yourself, but man, I really like talking about these because it just kind of builds the, you know, builds the momentum for me going into a movie theater. If I know that I'm about to go see a film, I like to know what I'm getting into. Because first of all, I don't like movie theaters. Don't like them at all. I like the drive-in theater because, like, you know, I'm, like, in my own vehicle or sitting in my own lawn chair, just like the good old Mm -hmm. days. But we got some good stuff coming out. Okay. First off, there's a movie called Fall coming out. Hits theaters tomorrow. Tomorrow. And this one stars Grace Caroline Curry, Virginia Gardner, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Everybody Mm -hmm. likes him, right? And Mason Gooding. Young, good-looking kid. So, for best friends Becky, who's played by Grace Grace Caroline Curry and Hunter Virginia Gardner, life's all about conquering fears and pushing limits, but after they climb a 2,000-foot radio tower, it's abandoned, by the way. Okay. Okay, Because you don't want to, you know, climb something that's not abandoned. I don't know what makes a a radio tower abandoned. Like, do, do, are there normally people just there all the time? I don't, I don't know. Okay. But they find themselves stranded, Suki. Mm-hmm. And this thing's way on up there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Becky and Hunter's expert climbing skills will be put to the ultimate test as they desperately fight to survive the elements, a lack of supplies, and vertigo inducing heights. Okay. I saw, saw the trailer to this one, Suki. Okay, they're climbing this ladder. Mm-hmm. And it, it is just the, the furthest drop. Like, the cars look like ants down there. Uh-huh. It reminds me of a, a film that I saw that I'm not recalling the name of right now, but it's where this, uh, this couple or uh, a few people are stuck on a chairlift in freezing temperatures. Okay. Okay, this is, you know, this is one of those survival horror films. Uh, again, tomorrow in theaters... It's rated PG-13 for bloody images, intense peril, and strong language. And this this is sur- described as a survival thriller. Okay, you afraid of heights, Suki? I'm not exactly afraid of heights, but I'm not jumping out of an airplane for the fun of it or anything. I'm not doing any of that. But I'll climb up someplace. Well, I'm not climbing anything. What? Not climbing no, anything. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not. It, like, when I was in the Navy, I told myself, like, why did I join the Navy? Mm-hmm. And it was because I thought, well, in the Air Force, they're going to make me fly an airplane. No and no damn body's going to make me fly an airplane. But I did it anyway. I just, in my mind, I said, Air Force, they got, they got to be up high. And at least in the Navy, you got to be cool with water. I didn't touch either one of them. <laughs> I was a master at arms. That's like, you know, the Army's version of military police. 
Okay, and I was on a ship, but like they didn't make me jump in the ocean. Right. So where's my logic there? This film looks good, though. It actually does look good. I I think I'm going to take this one in. So there's furthermore, like no we, monsters. I'm sorry. There's like no, no monsters. No, sure. no, no, no monsters in this one. It's a purely survival, and I, I guess yeah. we need to get out of the way what constitutes a horror film. Yeah. What constitutes a horror film? Well, you're thinking that if there has to be a monster, well, that's only one type of you know horror. That could that could be a creature feature. That could be some right. sort of paranormal film. Right. But not necessarily is there ever a monster in a horror film. Sometimes it's a person's own, their own mind that plays tricks on them. You know what I'm saying? Like Get Out. Get Out is, to me is a horror. It is very much a horror. And okay. even though there's no monster per se, the, the people, you know, the, the family, they were very monstrous. And that was a very horrific situation, was it not? Right, so right. To, to me, that, that constitutes a horror. This constitutes a horror because... Imagine yourself hundreds of feet suspended in the air, mm-hmm. no way to get back down because the ladder's broken, you don't have a parachute, you don't have climbing tools. What are you going to do? Yeah. How, how are you going to get down? That is horrific to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. You, you feel me? Good. Yeah, yeah. Furthermore, we've got a film, a horror film starring Jamie Foxx. Has he ever been in a horror film? No. Mm-mm. Let me... No, I can't, th- I can't think of anything he's been in that's been a horror film. That could even be, I, I mean, maybe he's collateral could. Well, yeah, he's killed a lot of people before. Oh yeah, right? I mean, I, and I've I've witnessed it all. No, I've witnessed it all. Wow. Okay. Well, he well he's in one now as a hardworking blue collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick witted eight year old daughter. His mundane San Fernando Valley pool cleaning job is a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. Yes. Is this from a comic or anything? Or I don't think so. Um, okay. I don't see anything that, that says so. Uh, the script comes from Shay Hatton, who did John Wick Chapter 3 and Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Well, he's doing, he's doing revisions of the original script, so that doesn't really tell us everything. It's a Netflix production. That's, uh, you know, it's going to ultimately premiere on the platform, but it's going to be in theaters again tomorrow, I believe. But it also has Megan Good. Love me some Megan Good. Don't we all? Right? I think we do. I think we do. <laughs> Dave Franco, as I watched the trailer, Dave Franco has a lot to do with this one. It's kind of a buddy comedy horror, if you will. Okay. This isn't like a straight horror. This is a, a, a horror comedy, comedy horror, but still look very good. You can almost compare it to an Ash versus Evil Dead kind of a situation. Okay. But Jamie Fo- Jamie Fox, I mean, you just you love him, right? I mean, he's he's an icon of this generation. Um, in his fifties, I think, and looks not a damn day over thirty. Right. I'll whoop Does his it, ass though. Who's playing his daughter? <laughs> who's playing his daughter? I don't know who's playing the daughter. It doesn't show me. Um, in the cast, I do see Jamie Foxx, Megan Good, Carla Souza, Eric Lang, Dave Franco, Oliver Masucci, Steve Howie, who you might you know remember from, um, I think he's on Shameless, the okay. uh, the HBO production, and C.S. Lee. But yeah, this one's currently awaiting release again tomorrow as of the time that we're recording this podcast. But yeah, the category, comedy, vampires, fantasy, horror, made by Impossible Dream Entertainment. Yeah, directed by J.J. J. Perry. Doesn't really tell me much, but it's going to 
It'll be in theaters. It'll end up on Netflix. And this is uh, J.J. Perry's directorial debut. Uh, as of right now, he's only worked as like a second unit director and stunt coordinator for things like uh, Fate of the Furious, Bloodshot, and the you know the John Wick movies. Uh, so he's kind of teaming up with Shea Hatton on this one. Wow. Okay. This is one that I'm looking forward to more than more than most. And we already talked about the the Pete Davidson flick, Bodies, 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 where the mm-hmm. you know the twenty somethings are you know playing the the game. That one stars Lee Pace, Pete Davidson, Chase Sweet Wonders, Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Rachel Sennett, and mm, Mayhala Harold. Oh, she's a babe. Who, who, listen, who, listen, hmm? You say Amanda? Is it Amandala or Amanda? Who is it? Who? The Amanda? My Hala? No, no. The one like two before that. Was there like a Amanda or Amanda? Ma- Maria Bakalova. Rachel Sennett. Amandla Stenberg. You know her? Amandala, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, Great. yeah, She is she good? She's a great actress, yeah. Well, I'm going to be seeing this one as well. Um, This one should be out tomorrow in theaters, like all theaters. Again, it's been in select theaters for a little while now. Then we've got one that's coming, dropping on demand, video on demand on Tuesday, August 16th. This one looked pretty, pretty interesting. It's about siblings Daphne and Wilson Shaw, who practically raised one another. They protected each other from everything life's thrown their way. Daphne's professional life is soaring and she's looking to adopt a child, like you do. Wilson is interviewing for a position at a local school, hoping to become a school teacher. Okay. But Daphne has an unsettling, dangerous stalker whom she can't seem to shake and now threatens to destroy them both. Whoa. They get together, they hunt for the tormentor through uh, the streets of Brooklyn. Yeah, they're, they're getting themselves in shape for a showdown. I love a good showdown movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this foe may prove to be more than they can handle. They're going to break and rebuild themselves if necessary to save each other and protect the light they know is in the world for them. If only they can persevere. And this one stars uh, Evan Dumichel and Libby Ewing. Mm, okay. Now this one's coming from director Perry Blackshear. And you, you're going to see it? You, you're very interested? Well, I mean, I'm I'm very interested in anything horror, but this one's described as a gritty, slow burn, urban folk tale about family Whoa. damnation and redemption. That slow burn is always going to be the the caveat there. Yeah, okay? a lot of people can't handle the slow burn. I cannot. I'm already like, what the heck? As soon as you said it, <laughs> yeah, that's not. Whoa. Okay. Okay. See, I really. Yeah. I really like the movie The Irishman, but that thing's about three hours long, and I can understand people checking out, okay? Yeah. And and I don't know if it's due to the immediate need for satisfaction that people have. I mean, anything you want, it's right there at your, at your palm, mm-hmm. on your phone. Anything that you want, it is right there. You don't have to wait for anything anymore. Yeah. So to turn your phone face down and face a screen for three hours while a slow story is building, it's almost an impossibility for a lot of people. Well, for me, I like to um, think I already know what's going to happen. And if you've got it to where I can't figure out who the bad guy is or where we're going, then I start losing focus. But that's just more of me like, oh, I know what's happening. Okay, I know where we're going with the story. And then if it if it doesn't go that way... And we're still not finding the, you know, the plot, then I, I lose interest. Okay, so you would think that someone 
viewing a film like this might think, right. oh, I can't figure out who it is. So now I'm checking out. Right. Where but most people are going to. Yeah. The who done it is really what draws me in over, over the last week. Uh, Tubi TV has put on a lot of the uh, Hercule Poirot films, okay. you know, the Agatha Christie's, and I am a big fan of everything Agatha Christie, even though she was an unsavory character herself. Well, it's hard for me to read her, and it's hard for me to watch her movies because the Who Done It is like. But I'm also a scientist by nature, so I'm always trying to figure stuff out beforehand. There's well, that's good though. Yeah, that's good. So w- when you get stumped, you you have to tell us. Like, I couldn't figure out okay. what it was, and that, that's a selling point to me. You if I know that it's a whodunit and you can't guess who it was, and then, yeah, that draws me in. And speaking of whodunits, mm-hmm. you know, available right now on Peacock is a film that uh, stars Kevin Bacon. He's uh, People are going to talk about Kevin Bacon. They think of a lot of different films. First of all, you could, uh, you know, play the Six Degrees of Separation game, mm-hmm. and he's the one that's always at the beginning of it, right? Right. Connect Kevin Bacon with this actor, and you should be able to connect him within six steps, right? I, I can never play that game. It puts me on the spot. But this movie is called They Them. Okay. Or, I'm sorry. It is called They Slash Them, if okay. you're being literal. Uh, and it's a pretty clever name <laughs> of a film because, yeah, you're thinking about the pronouns they, them. I use the pronouns they, them. Nobody says I use the pronouns they slash them. I use they, them. But this film is called They Slash Them. Very clever. That is very clever. Okay. Very clever. But this film is about several queer and trans campers who join Owen Whistler, who is played by Kevin Bacon. Horror, uh, I wouldn't call him a horror legend. He's an acting legend. But he has been in a lot of horror films. He has been in a lot of horror films, right. But exactly. they're there for a week of programming intended to, quote-unquote, help them find a new sense of freedom. It's a gay conversion camp is what it is. As the camp's methods become increasingly more psychologically unsettling, the campers must work together to protect themselves. And when a mysterious killer starts claiming victims, things get even more dangerous, Suki even more dangerous. And this one has uh, Darwin Del Fabro, Monique Kim, uh, Kay Tan, Theo Germain. Oh, I did not realize that's who that was. <laughs> Theo has dark hair in this film. Okay. The, the I know Theo as having blonde hair. Doesn't matter. Anna Lore, Austin Crute, Cooper Coke, Kevin Bacon, Anna Chlumsky is making uh a, a big screen appearance here. She hasn't been in much. She was in that film with um, the the girl that played Ruth from Ozark. Okay. About okay. the uh, about the, the the German lady that scammed everybody and Carrie Preston. I have already seen this one, Suki. And let me just tell you, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was good. It is a textbook slasher. Now, here's the thing: in this section of the show, mm-hmm. we're not about spoilers. Okay, we're going to talk in a little bit about a movie um, that is turning 39 years old this week. And there will be spoilers aplenty in that because we're going to talk about the whole damn movie. Mm-hmm. However, our idea here is to get people to fall back in love with horror films. If, you, if you've been out of it, jump back in and yeah. come see us. But this film was directed by John Logan. Okay, it was uh, the studio was Blumhouse Productions. Okay, they've worked on the Halloween films. 
Okay. You know, the, the, the newer ones. So, yeah, this movie was in good hands. And the only thing I'll tell you is there's a, a scene in the film that I couldn't get down with. Okay? There's one scene that I okay. couldn't get down with. Okay. Okay? They had a little fucking sing-along. And I said, that is, this is where the chick flick (laughs) takes over. They had their little camp sing-along and I couldn't do it. Okay, you just think, remember the Titans when they sang uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg? Or was it Remember the Titans? (laughs) I I hate, I hate the intermovie sing-along. Why? It helps, you know. It doesn't. Whatever (laughs) you're going to say it does, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that thing. It has to because everybody puts it in there, so it must be needed. Yeah. So you got two, uh, you know, and remember the Titans, you had, you know, the, the, the black crew and the white crew on the football team, and they just couldn't get along until the fat guy sang Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Maybe and then it, it made it all okay. Okay. It made it all good. But here's the thing. I'm a fan of The Temptations. I saw them live in 1999 on the Legends of Motown tour. Probably wouldn't, but one of them, original members, and I think that was, uh, I can't remember his name. Otis, maybe? Saw them in the four tops, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> so maybe I was a little more partial to that scene. But in this one, I think they sing a Katy Perry song, and I don't get down with that shit. Katy brings everyone together, though. I'm ready. I want to see it. I think that you should have led with Katy. If you would have led with Katy, I would be like, oh, I'm definitely going to see that movie. Does she sing Katie. a song called Perfect? Katy Perry, are you getting the people messed up? Like, <laughs> maybe. I, I don't listen to Katy Perry. I'm, I'm hoping that's who it is. It sounded you like her. Signing random women to. The <laughs> like, <what's happening? laughs> I'm just. It was Reba McIntyre. Yeah, damn it, is who that's it was. Who that was. Good old Reba. What in the world? Well, they here's your. Uh-huh. Well, here's your one chance, Fancy. Don't let me down. Who sang it? Who sings perfect? You're letting me down. I got nothing perfect. There's TLC sing perfect. It uh, wasn't that one. Uh, it might might not I'm even be the name of the song. Unpretty. I think I'm perfect. Perfect. No, nah, this 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 was like Crooked one of those smile, scream. J. Cole. Nah, this was one of those scream Britney at the top Spears. of your lung songs. Nah, I don't I'm think it was Britney. She's a star. I don't know. I haven't got anything. No. There's like so no. many songs with perfect. And my girl might not... be upset that I might have given the wrong song perfect. But I do know there's a million pop songs named perfect. Well, look at the, the film They Slashed Them and tell okay. me uh, what's on the soundtrack that I'm wrong about here. Because I'm, I told myself it was Katy Perry and it probably was not. So that's that's on me. But you're recommending. You're recommending the movie. I'm recommending the movie. Yes, I am recommending the movie. It was a, a solid film. Again, a textbook slasher. Mm-hmm. They Slash Them was a decent film. Awesome. Very decent film. Um, another film out right now that is getting a lot of, you know, a lot of push and pull between viewers is Prey. This is a, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a prequel. I guess it's a prequel to mm-hmm. uh, the Predator franchise. Okay. okay, set in the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Prey is the story of a young woman, Naru, a fierce and highly skilled warrior. She's been raised in the shadow of some of the most legendary hunters who roam the Great Plains. So when danger threatens the camp, she sets out to protect her people. The prey she stalks and ultimately confronts turns out to be a highly evolved alien predator with a technically advanced arsenal, resulting in a vicious and terrifying showdown between the two adversaries. This one has uh, Amber Midthunder, Dane DiLiegro, and mm-hmm. Stephanie Mathias. 
among others. Um, a largely unknown cast, but this was uh, Amber Mithender's uh, breakout role. She's gotten a lot of love from the likes of Jesse Ventura, who was in the original cast of Predator. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people online, Suki, who are calling this movie too woke. You know what that means, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's usually the political types who complain about this, mm-hmm. and they usually lean to one side or the other because right. nobody uh, on one side calls people woke more than certain people. And we're Is not going to have that. Con- we're not going to have that conversation here, and that's fine. But damn it, I thought it was a good film. Okay. okay, I thought it was a very good film. I'm a big fan of the Predator, even though the Predator never seems to win a win a fight. The only time the Predators won a fight was. In Alien vs. Predator, when he teamed up with uh, Sanaa Lathan. She's putting that Euro step on him from Love and Basketball. <laughs> and he couldn't kill her. Putting that God Sham God move on her. I, I don't remember what he called that. I think it's called the Sham God. <laughs> I, I shouldn't even know who he is, but he, he's got that crossover. Anyway, God, what a time to be alive. Elsewhere, we've got a film called Hypochondriac. This one was... Uh, this one's really interesting when I watch the trailer. First of all, it's got Paget Brewster in it. People are going to know her from uh, one of those um, criminal cop shows. Um, which one? Tell me which one it is. You know I don't watch anything but horror. Um, is It's not one of the CSIs. It's uh, Criminal Minds. There you go. And and she's let herself uh, go gray. Okay. Okay. And I'm not, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm kind of digging it. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah, this this silver fox is looking like something. This is something. right up your alley right here. This is this Listen, is good. I turned 40 and my priorities changed, okay? My priorities changed. But this one's about will. Now this is uh, not my words. This is uh, the words of upcominghorrormovies.com. Will, a young Hispanic gay potter. Got him triple threat there is is one gregarious guy his boss is terrible but he's got a great boyfriend and a great job unfortunately behind that veneer is a dark past of violence and mental illness that he is desperate to keep hidden when his bipolar mother comes out of the woodwork after 10 years of silence he begins exhibiting unexplainable symptoms i don't know when to use unexplainable and inexplicable i need you to find out for me but he exhibits unexplainable symptoms and spirals into an obsession determined to solve this mystery of his own. Again, this stars Devin Gray, Paget Brewster, Marlene Forte, Zach Via, Madeline Zima, who was in uh, Californication, and Chris Dubeck. This was directed by Addison Hyman. <laughs> hey, Hyman. Sorry. Bye. My uh, yeah. sophomoric. I'm, I'm, I'm 40, but not, you know, like dead to the world 40. I'm still a right, guy. Right, right okay. So yeah, XYZ Films distributes in the U.S. for this one. Uh, It is described as an LGBTQ horror movie and an elevated genre film. I feel like like a lot of the movie snobs like to use that elevated genre. Elevated genre. Elevated horror. It's like, it's not enough to have a guy just walking around chasing people with a knife. Right. Okay. That's that's not enough for, for these people. They have to, um, yeah, it has to be elevated. Oh, it has to go over so many people's heads, but not mine. Not mine. A lot of people who watch uh, Dario Argento will, uh, will will claim that, you know, oh, I like it because it's elevated horror. 
No, dummy. It's it's not elevated. They just use a couple of big words in the script, and you're <laughs> just con- convinced that it's elevated horror. You know, hereditary is you know considered elevated horror, or you know some of those paranormal flicks, but never a slasher flick. This one looks good though, and I, I really think though that in the the, the synopsis here, I, it was really irrelevant to call him a young Hispanic gay Potter. Like we can see that he's young. He wakes up with a guy in bed with him, so we can see he's gay. He's working with the pottery. We can see he's a potter. The only thing I really needed to know about him was that he's gregarious. And Maybe. Maybe they wanted it for search, and then like, if somebody was like, is there a movie about a potter that's coming out? And then they could search it, and then they'll hit pot, you know? Maybe yeah, that's they'll... what happened. But they got to get through Ghost first, because that's going to be... They got to get through Ghost re- first. Re- yeah, they got to get through Ghost to, to, to be important. <laughs> Sometimes I'll pull them out of my pocket just really fast. I was ready. Okay. Okay. I mean, this is my only form of encyclopedia. I don't own any Britannicas, but I've got the the, the horror thing down. Okay. Okay. Gosh, I think that's going to do it for the upcoming projects. Uh, So when we get back, we're going to take a deep dive into a film that's turning 39 years old today. And I've already given it away a, a little bit earlier. So we'll be back in 30 seconds. Hey everyone, Christian Rout here from Slasher Sports. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. If so, do us a favor and like, subscribe, and share so our audience can grow and we can keep giving you more of your favorite content moving forward. Find all of our work on SlasherSports.com and on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Slasher Sports, as well as Instagram at Slasher Sports Media. And of course, be sure to continue to tune in to the Slasher Sports Show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, always free and available. New episodes published daily during the week. Once again, thank you so much and always for your support. And now back to the show. Hey, Hmm. I'm going to ask you a question, like a real quick question. Take as long as you need to. Why, thank you. How is the cereal Fruit Loop spelled? This is not a joke. This is real life. Like if you were in the grocery store and someone told you to pick up the Fruit Loops, what would you look for for how it was spelled? Um... Just off the top of my head, for some reason, I'm thinking it has two O's in it, and they're used in, like, they have, like, two Fruit Loops as the O's. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Am I? That's good. Okay, what about... Were you trying to get me with a Mandela effect? I'm asked you another question. Curious George, does he have Mm -hmm. a tail or does he not have a tail? He's got a tail because I as he swings from trees and stuff. He's one of those little. He's the type of monkey that's got the tail, doesn't he? Oh. Oh. No. Okay. No. It's the last one. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. You're telling me Curious George does not have a tail? That boy don't got no tail. He ain't never had a tail. He he has never had a tail. <laughs> what? A, no. Hang on. Nah. Okay, that that, that go, can't go, be right. Go back, to, go back to it. Okay. One more. Okay. One more. Okay. When do you remember Nelson Mandela dying? Well, I remember him dying from like the mid 2000s. Okay. Yeah. See, that that's the thing. Um okay, the the basis of all this is somebody along the way and this is why it was called this thought he died back in the 80s in like prison, right? I am somebody because it happened and something nefarious is going on here. If me oh. and everyone else remembers him dying in the 80s, and only you and four other additional people realize when he really truly died, which is in not not too long ago. But we are remembering one reality, and you guys are remembering a different reality. Well, you see, like, I think I, uh-huh. 
I think people are where this comes from. People are probably mixing him up with Gandhi. No, no. I remember his wife being very upset. Gandhi was not married. His wife was very upset and she was talking about her husband and all the things that he did. Okay, okay. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. And then I'll give you a little backstory. So the thinking man, when you think about the thinking man, the one who's, yeah, is his fist closed or open? Um, for some reason, I think it's closed. It's closed it and it's holding his yeah. chin up. It's not? Is it like, open. like that? It's like a, yeah, it's like a loose hand. Yep. But there are You say it's like that. Nobody can see us. There are, right? Like, did you see his hand? <laughs> can you see my hand? This is a fist, and then there's an open hand. But there are people in front of him, the thinking man, with their fists closed. Like, why would a human obviously stand in front of a statue doing the wrong pose? Because something is going on with the time-space continuum. That is all I'm going to say. Mandela effect. Well, don't let that be all you say. Surely <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got some insider information that we so, need to know about. A little bit. In 2009, someone kind of coined the phrase Mandela Effect. So before that, it was kind of like a false memory. So it's kind of been like rebranded. But Uh we all have the same collective false memories. So how can a whole group of humans have the same collective false memory? Well, the one that got me was Mm -hmm. the one with Sinbad and the, the Genie movie. Uh, I can't remember if it's Kazam or Shazam. Kazam and Shazam, but it's Kazam. Or, yeah, there's no Shazam. And Sinbad's not, not in it. Well, there is a Shazam, but it's a superhero flick, and it's not related to anything else. Um, but, like, people are under the impression that... And, and that Shazam is kind of new. So it's not like that was going on when, when uh, you know, the, the whole Mandela effect thing started taking over. But I specifically thought that I remembered a film with Sinbad playing a genie. Mm-hmm. And I was utterly slapped in the face when told otherwise. Yeah. Again, I'll question myself when it comes to non-horror film, okay? Uh-huh. I will definitely question myself. But when I was presented with that piece of information, my mind was blown because I could have sworn I saw a movie advertised. And I didn't see the movie, but I saw okay. the movie advertised where he played a genie. And I've been thus proven wrong because it is nowhere on IMDb. It's nowhere on Wikipedia. It's nowhere on the interwebs and it does not exist. However, when you tell me that Curious George doesn't have a tail, that makes me furious because in my mind, I see him swinging from a tree. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like pasted up there though. I think our minds might put a tail there because that's how we know monkeys to be visualized, but he's just kind of like pasted with his hiney there's he's no- not even yeah he's not even the right kind of monkey to not have a tail like yeah. the, there's the the chimpanzee he's not a chimpanzee he's like one of those uh what what whatever they're called don't take away who he is he is who he is and he doesn't have a tail well the man in the yellow hat needs to get his shit together because <laughs> curious george should have a tail if he's that species of monkey okay and i might be mixing him up with the the one on the cereal box what the coco crispies that might be where i'm screwing up that might be okay. Wh- okay, one more. Jiff, is it Jiff or Jiffy? The peanut butter. The peanut butter. Is it Jiff or Jiffy? There's Jiffy peanut butter, and there's like JFG there's coffee or something. There's no such thing as Jiffy peanut butter. It's always been Jeff. But when I go to the oh store, yeah yeah yeah, I- there's Jiffy and then there's Skippy. There's Skippy, so it's Jiff and then Skippy, but okay, there's no Jiff. Yeah. 
There's no jiffy. Yeah, I can I can dig that. That that's just a play on words in my mind. I that, that I don't remember it being a different way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, anybody who says otherwise can go straight to hell. I go into the store looking for Jiffy every time, and when I pick up Jeff, I'm like, I forgot they changed their name every time, <laughs> every single time. I'm, I'm not. I'm telling you, if I'm picking up peanut butter, I'm looking for Jiffy, and I'm like, oh, I forgot they changed their name. Mm, man. What a way to live your life, Suki. <laughs> well, I don't want to be telling tales out of school here, but uh, our movie of the week, Cujo, turns 39 years old this week. 39. You know what else turns old this week? Street Fighter, 37. But What? That is ridiculous. Yeah. Let's Street see. Fighter, but, okay. That doesn't feel right. None of it feels right, because I know. I know we are not that old. Uh, you are i'm not i look so much better though but the point is this the <laughs> point is this these movies should not be turning the uh, the movies and the games they should not be turning the age they go they they are 37 are if i'm 40 that means street fighter came out when i was three i didn't get an nes until i was like seven or eight yeah yeah so where was the street fighter i mm-hmm. guess it was an arcade game it was the arcade game. It was the arcade game, and then it got transferred over. That's why it was so, like, it wasn't the best. But it led the way to what it we're led doing now with any kind of street fighting game. So it started Now off that you say crazy. that. Uh-huh. Now that you say that, it was Street Fighter Two that got hot <laughs> for me, and that came along a little later. Now, yeah. see, you investigate a little longer, it starts to make sense. There you go. Well... 39 years old. That means this film came out in 1983. What had you accomplished by 1983, Suki? Anything? I think I could spell my name, probably, right? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I, I had, they I, had to shorten mine. Right. You know, for me to be able to spell it. Right. And they had to put, like, double letters just so I could remember them all. Just to make it easier. Just to make it easier. Well, Stephen King's admitted several times that he was so deep in his alcohol addiction at the time that he does not remember writing this book. <laughs> I love that man. Love it. I mean, he did so much coke, he didn't remember writing uh, Maximum Overdrive or directing it, apparently. In this one, he was just so deep in his alcohol that he didn't remember writing the book. But he's also said that he's, you know, he was inspired to write the story when he met his mechanic's intimidating dog while having his motorcycle repaired one day. So who knows which one of those is true? It's probably a combination of both, you know? Like, yeah, he had the yeah. thought, it came from this, and then he's like, I did it in a drunken haze, you know? Well, at one point, the script for Cujo came to director John Carpenter, okay? Mm-hmm. And that would have been very different, I think. No, you know, Carpenter passed on directing the movie. He didn't find the story particularly appealing, uh, but Carpenter would go on later on to direct the Stephen King-based film Christine, which came okay. out the same year as Cujo. Okay, so, I mean... He's eventually... Listen, you, you you choose a horrific movie with a dog versus a horrific movie with a car. Car, right. I mean, come on, what, what, what's the... Well, and then, of course, he did The Thing in 82, you know, previously. And, um, you know, that one had... Just think about the, the action with a dog in the thing and how it just splits apart, becomes this alien creature and it's just crazy effects. I can see that kind of thing happening with Cujo. He can take some, you know, he's John Carpenter. He can take some creative liberties and, mm-hmm. and make things like that happen. But in this film, five, five St. Bernards were used five, one mechanical head. 
I guess to, you know, for the close-up shots or whatever. And then there was a guy in a dog costume. Guy in a dog costume. Wow. I kind of wish the whole film had been made with the guy Fine in a dog, dog costume. costume. Just that imagine that. Great turn, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can see that well, being amazing. Uh-huh. Just think about the, the hind leg attacks, you know, He's six feet tall, maybe, maybe six, two. St. Bernard jumping up on. Yeah, I kind of dig that. I kind of dig that that visual of a man in a dog costume. It would be like that movie with uh, Elijah Wood, or maybe it was a TV show. Uh, It it was a TV show where his best friend is uh, his dog, and, like, the dog is, like, in his mind, like, he's a man in a dog costume, and, like, to everybody else, he's a regular dog. I can't think of the name of that that show uh, because I never watched it. That was a great show. Wow, that was a great show. What was the name of that show? Okay. You're going to have to look that one up. I Elijah think- Wood with a with a dog show. That that one seemed funny. It's, it reminds me of the, the title Willard, but I know it's not Willard. It could be like Wilfred or something stupid like that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this one was eventually directed by Louis Teague. Okay, not John Carpenter. So Teague got his start under Roger Corman. And if you don't know Roger Corman... Uh, Suki. He he was mentored by a, a who he mentored rather, a kind of a who's who of Hollywood talent from directors to actors, from Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, uh, Martin Scorsese, Jack Nicholson, James Cameron, uh, Robert De Niro, Peter Bogdanovich, Joe Dante, Sandra Bullock. List goes on and on. He's been around forever, like decades. Okay, directed like fifty something films before he started concentrating on producing instead of directing. Okay. Uh, but Corman was the guy that you'd uh, you'd go to see him if you needed a film done like on a time limit. Okay, I, th- I think he made Little Shop of Horrors, uh, not the one with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin, but the one back in the late fifties or early sixties, uh, in something stupid like three days. Whoa. Okay, how big a, how big a project can you really get done in three days, Suki? Not not that. Whoa, really? Three days. Really? I I I can't move like I couldn't move homes in three days. No. Let alone create a whole production of a film. That that's talent. That's organization. Roger Corman was that guy. Wow. Uh, but but Louis Teague only started directing feature films in '74, and I'm pretty sure his first dive into horror wasn't until '80 80 or '81 with Alligator, a uh, pretty pretty campy B movie creature feature, um, mm-hmm. which you could probably guess is about an angry gorilla. Just kidding. It's about an alligator. Uh, you a fan of the? Uh, are you a fan of the the creature feature type horror, Suki? I think you've mentioned earlier in the episode that you might be. Yeah, definitely. Like Swamp Thing, that's that kind of thing. Creature feature. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you know anything about me, um, it's that I, I don't like superhero movies. Okay, I, I don't do the Marvel DC flicks. It's not my thing at all. Really? My super? Yeah, not at all. My superheroes are the kaiju, the Japanese kaiju, like Godzilla, uh, Rodan, Ghidorah, Kong, not the little puny one that climbed the, the building in back in the 30s. No, I'm talking really? about Kong as in, like, giant Kong, Jeff Bridges and all those. Kong. So Batman does not do it for you. Batman is not your hero, even no, though he's Batman the is hero known to man. That I will give you. He is the greatest superhero known to man. He is, he is. if I had a favorite superhero, it would be Batman. Okay. And that is a cold hard fact. Uh, grew up on the uh, the Adam West series. So, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not at all going to say anything bad about Batman. Batman. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's not my thing. Those guys are, uh, that's for somebody else. 
you create what they're going to do, or at least before you know the pandemic hit, they were going to take the the giant monster movies and turn them into their own universe, like they've done with the Marvel universe, oh, yeah, the MCU, yeah, and they were going to call it the MonsterVerse. Now they're still they still have done that in in sort of a way because they've got merged movies like Kong and Godzilla, and they're going to do I think a a sequel to that. And I don't know if it's going to be called Godzilla vs. Kong or Godzilla and Kong. Um, it's still up in the air. I don't think they've even started filming. But that is my universe. Okay, that's that's the universe that I'm going to go see. But, um, yeah, well, Cujo, back to Cujo. I mean, like, he, this would be the, the next horror project for Teague in 83. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess they liked him so much that, you know, two years later, they let him direct Cat's Eye. And Cat's Eye is another Stephen King adaptation. You remember that one, the anthology flick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the, the cat kind of, you know, leads us through all these um, these mini-stories. I think there was like four or five in the film. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- this movie stars D. Wallace. Okay, now, it, this it goes out without saying that D. Wallace is kind of a horror movie royalty. You think about mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis as being a final girl. You think about maybe... Um, Who's the one from Scream? Um, Drew Barrymore? No, the the one that survives the Scream movies. Um, Sydney from, yeah, I, I don't know why my mind's going blank. But Sydney from the Scream movies, you think about her. You think about all the different ones who survived the Friday the 13th movies. Um, mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, Dee Wallace wasn't necessarily a final girl, but she was in a lot of horror films. And uh, she said Cujo was the hardest thing she'd ever done. And right. it's the, the the film that she's the most proud of. Uh, you would think E.T. would take that honor. Yeah. Um, you know, she she actually called E.T. the Wizard of Oz of that generation. What do you think she meant by that? It was like fanciful. and But was there someone evil behind the scenes somewhere? I don't know. Um, I, I don't. Well, yeah, there was. <laughs> I mean, think about who, who's chasing the kid down the street on the, uh, the street on the bike. Yeah. Right, with, with yeah. little ET in the basket, this it, is the yeah. the government basically is the wizard in that yeah. case. I also think that maybe she meant technological advancement because the Wizard of Oz at the time mm-hmm. there was only one film like the Wizard of Oz, going from you know black and white to color, and I'm not just saying color, but like the like every color on the wheel. Yeah. In the very first scene is the, the, the brightest place, you know, the, the talking trees. Just think when this film was made, you know, you got trees throwing apples at you and, you know, yeah. all these larger than life characters. But there's not a film to this day that is like uh, The Wizard of Oz. And then you look at E.T. and it, mm-hmm. the things that it did for film. Okay. But she went on to say that at the end of it, they treated her for exhaustion for three weeks after making this film. Um, she says she's still like still to this day in 2022 still on adrenal supplements because she just blew out all of her adrenals. Like people don't understand that when an actor goes through any kind of emotional stuff, um, mm. you know, th- your body chemically goes through it exactly like you were in fight or flight, exactly like that. And she was in maximum fight or flight for weeks. Um, King even stated that he feels like D. Wallace gave her best performance. Um, in this film or in any film that he did for TV or, you know, that was yeah. made out of his books. Yeah. And that includes Kathy Bates, you know, from Misery, who wow. I'm I'm very much partial to. Yeah. Um, 
But Dee Wallace, you'll know her from The Hills Have Eyes and The Howling, um, E.T., Cujo, countless movies. She's been doing it for, for decades. Um, but this and is she her was most proud. Her most proud. Okay. And I, I mean, with the the performance that she put on, you could yeah. you can understand that, you know. But she was married during this time to you know another co-star in this film, Christopher Stone. He's the one that played Steve, uh, yeah. the one that she's cheating on her husband with. Okay, and and okay. and, and, well, and no get this, they had, chemistry. <laughs> they had some chemistry, yeah. and like, but but get this, it was the same situation in The Howling. They were an extramarital item in The Howling as well. So I almost feel like this is like a kink they had going on. <laughs> yeah, this is what kept it together, right? Okay. It's like, yeah, I mean, folks who, you know, role play together, stay together. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, did I ever tell you that, um, yeah, the, the last gal that I had broke up with me because she said my kinks were too weird? Well, no. Oh, yeah, but I told her, though. When she dumped me, I said, well, don't forget to slam my dick in the door on your way out. Wait, wait, What? Wait, what? Wait, what? It's also starring Daniel Hugh Kelly, who, uh, he got his start in the soap operas. Okay, and that's right up your alley, Suki. I know it is. Don't you lie to me. Don't, do not lie to me. I know being an 80s kid, I'd put money on your caretaker, whomever they may be, having a favorite channel of a soap lineup. Everybody. Everybody should. Yeah, absolutely. All my children. (laughs) What channel was that? Was it Channel 4? I don't know numbers from wherever you lived. Was that NBC, CBS, ABC? All my children. Is it ABC? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember that far back. But I do know it was All My Children and General Hospital. And One Life to Live. We did not do One Life to Live in my household. Did you not? Okay. Well, my mom hit the, the, the holy trinity there. She pulled the hat trick every day with All My Children Mm-hmm. Uh, General Hospital and One Life to Live, and there was one before it, but she didn't watch it. I don't remember what it was. It might have been Guiding Light. Might not have been though. Hmm. Well, David Hugh Kelly got started on Ryan's Hope, and that was a little bit before my time, or maybe on another channel. I don't know. But Kelly was one of those actors that you knew him from something. You just couldn't place him. Okay. He, he just had, had that looks. I know him from something, but he had that curly head of hair that in the late seventies, if you had that, you were a chick magnet. Like the, the curly hair, yeah. It, everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody dug it. Yeah. Truth of the matter is, though, Kelly, along with the big screen, he had a lot of acting credits in all formats: TV series, TV movies, Broadway. Like, there's something to be said about that kind of diversity. And then it comes to Danny Pintaro, kid that's known for exactly two things. Being a kid with an annoying cry and being Alyssa Milano's little brother, Jonathan, on Who's the Boss. Okay. Okay, and the main difference between Cujo and Who's the Boss is obvious. I never wish he got swallowed whole by St. Bernard on Who's the Boss. Wow. Wow. Okay. The kid got on my nerves. What? He gave a performance of a lifetime. He was scared. What do you mean? A rabid dog. A rabid dog. I did a rewatch, you know, oh, okay. as a as a refresher just this past yeah. week and, pre- and prep for today because mm-hmm. I didn't want to come in and give you a half-ass performance. Thank you. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted and also wanted renovated feelings, mm-hmm. not just memories. You understand? So I found myself rooting for D. Wallace, the mother, um, to get out of the car where they were trapped 
and run with the boy, run away from the rabid dog. And just when she notices the frothy mouth Cujo gaining on him, mm-hmm. to trip the kid. The kid, though? To trip the, ki- to trip the kid and get away herself. Okay. Why? Because of that loud, obnoxious, crippling cry of his. I've never wished that on a child before, and I've never admitted it until this moment. <laughs> that is horrendous. That is horrendous, and I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that now. The boy was scared. He was in a car. There was a lot going on. Well, he was only six years old at the time of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when you learn to read, but he had not learned to read yet. So he would have, often have to memorize his lines from the script with the help of his mom, who was always close by. That's There's something to be said for that kind of performance. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but he actually bit D. Wallace's fingers uh, during his seizure scenes. You know, when he's got the dehydration going on. Uh, he, he actually bit her fingers. So the, the reactions you see from her are, are legit. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. natural, organic reactions from D. Wallace. Uh, she's, uh, you know, D. Wallace has often been praised by parents for that scene where um, she's hysterical, screaming at Tad, is the kid's name in the movie, Tad. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that moment of frustrated terror, um, she said it's a scene that only a parent could really identify with. Yeah. Agree? I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Like I, I, I never hit my kids, but man, there were some times where I just wanted to shake the hell out of them. Just to get them on track. Sometimes you just gotta to get them on track. Yeah. Yeah. And, and little Tad did, did not, I guess he did his job because you remember I was telling you earlier about, um, when a stranger calls, well, that opening scene there's a phone ringing, and that is one of the most annoying sounds in the world. The original telephone ringing. <laughs> I, I hate it so much, but the director of the film said that every time the phone rang, he purposely would crank the volume volume just a little bit. And the more times you heard it ring, the louder it would get. And it would build the suspense and build the uh, maybe the, the fear that's coming. Yeah. Heighten your senses a little bit. I feel like they did this with Danny Pintaro and his level of crying because, man, at one point, <laughs> it was eating through my brain. <laughs> now, if, like you, you said that you read this book. Yes, I read the book. Okay. I did not read the book. I'm not a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm like six-year-old Tad over here. I, I hadn't learned to read yet. Um, in the original Stephen King novel, though, Tad dies in yeah, the book. He dies, he dies he of dehydration. Because Stephen King does not like children, and he usually kills them all. It's that's why he's my, it's, he's my kind of guy, you know? <laughs> and, and not only that, he must not like women either, because Donna contracts rabies from her fight with Cujo. And uh, th- there was like a rabies scare following the incident, not, not mentioned in the film. Um, the outcome of the, the Sharp account wasn't mentioned, but in the book, he had, you know, he had saved that part. Um, but Stephen King says that if he could go back and change anything from one of his books, just one of his books, he could change anything. He would, he said that he would let Tad live and that's why he survives in the, in the film. That's specifically why that is there. So maybe we, maybe there's room for all of us to change. Huh? Except this movie surviving the test of time, which it did not. It did not. not. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is a tough one. It does not survive the 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 changing of of the years. For, first of all, I tell you what. Before we get into that, 
Let's mm-hmm. jump into the taglines for this movie. Like the uh, the taglines for, you know, the uh, the the upcoming theater releases. Okay. First one, first one, now there's a new name for terror. Pretty good. I yeah, think that's a pretty good tagline, right? Okay, yeah. The next one, who let the dog out? No, that wasn't Baja, man. That was Stephen King. Who let the dog out? No. Are you for real? Oh, yeah. Are you? Oh, being... yeah. I wonder, could Stephen King sue the Baja men? Anyway. He shouldn't. The Baja men are delightful. <laughs> Unleash the terror. Under the third tagline. There's a lot of taglines in this one. Uh, different, okay. you know, promotional material. Um, and I guess that one was too short. So okay. the next one was, From Stephen King's novel comes a chilling tale of a quiet New England town and a horrible evil in the dead of summer. A little wordy. But a little bit wordy. You know where you are and you know what season it is. That's for sure. That's a the fact. The dead of summer, right? The, the right? very deadest of summer. <laughs> Iconic terror from the number one bestseller. They just waived all creativity right? and just said a fact. What is a fact about? Well, it's an iconic terror from the number one bestselling writer. Okay, fine. Do it. Right. His bite is worse than his bark. Much, much worse. Doable. Just doesn't do it for me, though. And then finally, sit, roll over, play dead, bad dog. That's that. Okay. That was the one that got took the cake for me. Who wrote that one? Who did that? That's that's the one they need to go with. That's the one that needs to be written down for the test of time, forever and ever. Getting it tattooed on my arm tomorrow. <laughs> so does Cujo stand the test of time? We both agree. No, it does not. What say you though? But here, here's here's what's crazy about Stephen King. People have never seen it. People have never read the book it. People have never seen Cujo. They've never read the book Cujo. But if you say Cujo, people say, is that the one about the dog? If you say clown and Stephen King, you know, if you say it, is that the one about the clown? Like nobody has to have seen these things to know of its terror. And that's what Stephen King did so well, was produce such terror that the if you've never seen it, you still know what is part of it. So that that was good that he did that in a single word. In a single word, Cujo. Boom. You wouldn't. You don't even have to have any other reference, and you already know some awful stuff is going down with the dog, right? The thing is, though, in the movie and even in the book, I don't know if people if we should go back to the whole thing. But the woman is cheating on her husband, and what they've done is made this dog like I think the complete essence of her cheating. So this is her cheating coming back to bite her pretty much is what this literally, literally her cheating coming back to bite her because she can't get back into the house until she addresses the cheating. Right. And she can't get into the house until she addresses the dog. She can't get back into the house until she addresses these things of where she messed up. Well, let's jump back to the cold open on this one. Okay. Okay. Where we meet Cujo, where like, this is just a, a, a big fluffy dog. When we meet him, okay? Uh, we meet Cujo as St. Bernard. Suki, you know the average weight of a St. Bernard? No. It's between 140 and 180 pounds for a male, okay? Mm-hmm. A little smaller for a female, but not much. Um, you know, 20 pounds maybe swing weight right there. But that's important info considering what we 
what we're going to see this guy do in the film. In a nutshell, he's chased a rabbit into a hole, turns out to be a bat cave, dog barks, wakes up the bats, and they bite him while his head's stuck. That's all we get. Okay, mm-hmm. that's all we get in this. But that's kind of your calling card of a cold open. Okay, horror mm-hmm. films have the most cold opens like this. And I like it because they, they want to give you the thing that you're going to be afraid of later. Okay. Like, you know, later on in the movie, or at least give the origin story, and they want to hurry and get it out of the way, thus, bats bite dog. And that's where we're left with Cujo. We don't see him again for a good while. So elsewhere, we have Donna and Vic, married couple with their son, Tad. Suki, tell me this. How do you carry a child for nine months, which you have done? I have done and, that, yeah. And you've done well with that. You, you plan out his whole life, you know, in, in front of him. You know, you have dreams of him growing up and playing for the fucking Yankees or something. And when he comes out, the nurse hands him to you. You see the little bundle of yourself. <laughs> you know, you, you see a little of yourself in him. You see a little bit of the spouse in him maybe sometimes. And then you blurt out Tad. Yeah, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. It's got to be short for something, right? Is it like Trip? Maybe he's like a third, you know? Like Trip is usually the third boy in the family. With the same name, so they call him Trip. <laughs> is is that a uh, Trip? Is a third? Is that a black thing? Because white it's people say rich, Trey. It's a rich, no rich white people thing. I went to High Point University uh-huh. in the South, and there was a lot of Trips. Yeah, really. So I, I know Trays. Okay. Okay. So Trey and Trip a, are, are, are the, the same thing. One? Are they yeah. the third? Okay. Yeah. No, Wow. Okay. Never, never occurred to me. Maybe, maybe Tad is something like that. Is, is he yeah. ugly? Well, just a little Tad. Well, so if you got an ugly kid, it's probably named Tad. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, makes me hate him even more. Okay. <laughs> With a name like that. But Donna's a frustrated lady. Okay. And you know, she's been shacking up with Steve on the side and that's right. Donna's been getting dick appointments with Dr. Steve and Vic finds out. Yeah. Now, of course he's crushed. Like anyone married to Dee Wallace would be because, let's face it, she's a hammer. She is an absolute hammer in this film. What does hammer mean? Oh, I mean she's bad. Oh, okay. She's bad. Okay. She's bad, bad to the bone. Okay. Feel what I'm saying? Okay. All right, do I got to go back a little further? We're good. We're good. Okay. Let me, let me tell you the story behind that hammer term, okay? My dad, um, I, had an, an, I had an old dad for, for my age, okay? When I was born, he was probably 40. Um, which is not crazy, but like I was the youngest or I am the youngest of five. I still am the youngest of five. I didn't get past them. Um, but you know, I was the only boy. So there were times where I would ride around with my dad just on the back roads and you know, we talk about, you know, music, movies, whatever. And I remember hearing him refer to Sophia Loren. <sighs> That's a good one. And he referred to her as an absolute hammer. And from that day on, it's just kind of been my running joke as an ode to him that if we're talking about, you know, uh, just a bad gal, uh-huh. she, she's a hammer. She's a hammer. Thank you for that backstory. I'm, I'm very she... glad to. Te- I'm very glad to tell it. And D. Wa- D. Wallace, um, prior to Cujo, was a hammer. And we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the hills have eyes. Now she does kind of have this mom haircut, and it might have been the fashion in '83. <laughs> but she's she's definitely got a different look about her that she didn't normally have. Mm-hmm. But still, D. Wallace, eighty three, hammer, hammer the gods. 
Okay. Well, she's frustrated though. She's been shacking up with Steve, but, uh, you know, Vic finds out and he's crushed. But luckily, he's got this out-of-town business meeting, and that's going to give him time to clear his head. Mm-hmm. Okay. While he's gone, though, Donna's got to take the family Pinto to the mechanic. A Pinto. All right, let's play hypothetical here, Suki. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, we don't know each other. Okay. I-, I wish I had some mood music to put on, but I don't. Okay. All right. Just play the floaters in your head. They'll float on, you know. Larry. And I'm a cancer. Whatever he says. Anyway, let's say that we uh, we lock eyes at Applebee's. You know, my hair laying just right. Beard lined up like I used one of them protractors we had to buy for geometry class to use it for like a week. Two, bu- two top buttons undone, showing just the right amount of chest hair. This is getting really deep, okay? Well, hang on. Okay. I, okay. I, go, on, I go on slip you that number. Then I pay for my chicken cordon blue and I'm out the door. You watch me as I get in my car, and you see me drive off in a Pinto. You still calling that number a Pinto? Is it working though? Is it is it like in working order? Or? Oh, I, th- does that matter? It's a damn Pinto. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm probably not. Yeah, see, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. And that that Pinto just ain't doing it for me. <laughs> like you, you knew Pound Town was off the table as soon as you saw me start up that Pinto. Like nothing else mattered. Mm-mm-mm. Well, when Donna and Tad reach the Camber house, which the Camber family is, you know, the the, the the mechanics, that Pinto lays down and dies on them, all right, because the alternator's out, and that's what they were going to do. They were going to get the alternator fixed. So she sputtered up the road, and it died right there in the driveway. But they get ambushed by Cujo while still in their vehicle, which sends old loud-ass Tad into a panic. Now, keep in mind, we hadn't seen we hadn't seen Cujo in a good half hour. Okay, so from the beginning of that cold open until right now when the car dies, it's about 35 minutes into the film. Yeah. That's a lot of rabies taking over. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Okay, so we don't know that that amount of time. We know Donna's been home, been crying to Vic, Vic been crying to Donna, and he's gone. A lot of time's gone by. A lot of time for Cujo to to get ate up. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a sad cycle to watch if you're a, if you're a dog lover. Which most of us are. Who hates dogs? What kind of person hates dogs? Nobody I want in my life hates dogs. You got a dog, right? His I name is Potato or Mango or something like that? Her name is Mango Elizabeth. She's fancy. So thank you for asking about her. Well, you are welcome. Mango I'm... Elizabeth. Mango Elizabeth. All right. Well, you you and Miss Liz, I see y'all walking every now and then on, on the social medias. So you like to show her off. But just think how how small Mango is. If you put about 100 pounds on her, that's what you got to deal with right here. And we're talking about a rabid St. Bernard. I had a St. Bernard growing up. Not even growing up. Before, he was gone by the time I was five. But just imagine Mm -hmm. what kind of damage that thing's going to do to me as a five-year-old. Yeah. Mm, Scary. And the owner of this this pet was uh, Brett. He had a little standoff with Brett in this uh, kind of a spooky scene had a lot of fog around him and, and brett is played by i think his name is billy i'm gonna make up a last name smith let's say it's billy smith it's not billy smith it's billy something though you'll remember him from uh just one of the guys he played the younger brother of uh the main character i think i can't remember her name in the movie but he played the younger brother in that film uh, he had some of the the best lines um when she asked him like if you could 
have sex for every minute of your life, you'd do it. He's like, all but the last 60 seconds, because I'd like to have a little time to reminisce. There you go. There you go. Fun film. Fun film. (laughs) Well, Cujo's been attacking the the car. Tad's stressed out. Uh, Don and Tad are trapped inside this Pinto, which is not a huge car, while this massive dog waits outside. He's attacking repeatedly, and all while Vic is out of town on his business trip. So Donna's repeated attempts to start the car are all in vain. And this 160-pound St. Bernard, he's pounding against the the car like he's a... You see those videos of a bear headbutting the side of a Mm -hmm. station wagon? Well, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. So we're back now to the thought that Donna is now having to face her infidelity manifest Mm -hmm. into the form of this rabid... Hundred and possibly eighty pound animal. Right, that's and you're sticking to that. Meanwhile, her husband's driving a Jaguar. Now, why didn't he give her the car that worked while he took the car that needed to go to the shop? And then while he was in the in the meeting, the car could have been worked on. No, 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 because we need to have the woman face her demons in this non-working car while her man is chilling. That's what that was. That's what happened. Okay. You seem you seem spiteful though. Like, shouldn't she have to face those demons though? Like, hey, is it okay man, to? Oh, by, by all means, cheat, go ahead. When a man mm-hmm. cheats, it's not turned into a rabid dog attacking the whole, you know, the kid, her, her car, her life. So her whole life is being shut down by this one thing, this one thing that's standing in her way. When a man cheats, no one's creating a dog, a rabid dog, out of it. A whole rabid dog was created about her relationship. Honestly, it's about a woman who cheated on her husband. Now she has to face that demon and confront it in order to save her family. Mm. That's heavy. It's very heavy and very unfair because he should have just given her the car that worked and we wouldn't even be here today. Well, you talked about this part being why it doesn't hold up. The Mm -hmm. part that I was bringing up that it doesn't hold up, like nobody can fathom being stuck in this situation without a cell phone. (laughs) A cell phone invention at this point eliminates any need for this movie whatsoever. Except for the fact if you're in the country, it's not, your cell phone's not going to work. So remember she drove to get to this guy to fix the car. So there may not have been reception no matter what. That is a very interesting wrinkle because I'll tell you right now, our family mechanic is back in the sticks. See there? And I get I get zero reception. So we're still in the same position. But had the man with the working car given his wife, but because she cheated, she can't have a working car. She can't have a working family. She can't have a working kid. Everything's dead until she kills this demon. So you, you don't think that, um, <laughs> that, that, that men have to uh, face those same... They don't... They don't create a whole movie that instills terror in everyone about infidelity. And now, really, this is actually what this movie is about to me. Um, it's just placed a lot of heat on her. Maybe he wasn't listening to her when she when he got home for the day. Maybe it's his fault. We don't revisit that. Everything is her fault. And she destroyed her family. And now she has to fix it before she can get back into the house and use the phone. Whew. That's... That is heavy, but to think that there's no movie about a a man cheating and having to face these terrors in a horror 
for a horror, give me one that's this heavy on the the roles. The she's a stay at home mom now, so she has no reason to be unhappy. She has no reason to cheat. Hmm. Uh huh. What was the reason why she stopped the affair? Because I'm married to this pretty great guy, you know, and I got a pretty great life. It wasn't like she found love again. She didn't say her and her husband connected. She had a great life, and she shouldn't ruin it by trying to find additional happiness. That is a very interesting take on this film, <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I am not wrong. But yeah, just thinking about it, a horror film where the man is punished for cheating gonna have to do a little bit of digging some research on that i'm telling you nobody when you say cujo everybody's like that's that rabbit dog right her infidelity has now been turned into a rabbit dog that the whole world remembers causing havoc (laughs) (laughs) well the worst part about this was the hot sun making the conditions nearly unbearable but donna knows that certain death is outside this car Mm-hmm. Okay, she decides that she's got to do something before they both die from either heat stroke or dehydration, like happens in the book. She read the book too, so she's got she's got to get out. But the dog could mm-hmm. be anywhere. Okay, and like attempts at escaping get foiled by repeated attacks by this dog who tries to get in the car. And after speaking to Vic, you know, following the break and enter from you know Steve mm-hmm. who broke into their home, uh, ransacks the place. Like the sheriff is talking to Vic. And, you know, he, he finds out that the wife, Donna, has gone to the Camber's mm-hmm. house to get the car fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, the sheriff shows up and Cujo attacks him, probably rips his guts out as well. So, like, any help that was to come is not coming now. This is, it's all up to Donna. Yeah. So, while, uh, you know, while she's in the car and the kid's slowly dying, you know, a, a, an annoying, loud death. She sees a baseball bat out on the out on the ground, which must belong to Billy or Brett, rather. And um, so she notices that Cujo gets distracted by this ringing telephone. She gets out of the car, retrieves the baseball bat. Cujo turns around on the porch to face her, and here's the challenge: the challenge that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. This is where she has to atone, quote unquote, yeah. for her sin per you know, per the writers of this of this film. Uh-huh. Now, this is a, a pretty prolonged, brutal struggle between Donna, a desperate mother, and this relentless animal. Because just like, uh, you know, mentally disturbed humans, mm-hmm. that, that, that pain tolerance goes way up. And the dog, just seeing Cujo's transformation from fluffy, beautiful dog to what we see him as at the end is... It's hard to watch if you're a, a big pet person. And she beats the hell out of him with his bat. And anybody yeah. who ever used a wooden bat knows that when you break that bat, it doesn't just break off with a straight, uh, you know, at a straight barrel. No, it's, it's got a jagged end. And eventually, Cujo jumps at her. She holds it up. He impales himself. Yeah. Apparent, apparently dead. So Donna pushes the dog off, uses the sheriff's revolver to break the back window open. She goes to get Tad out of the car, and, uh, you know, Cujo had broken all the handles on the car, so she busts the back window out. Very strong-looking scene because, I mean, again, this is to the point where the, the stress level is heightened. Yeah, yeah. But before uh, 
you know, before anything can end, Cujo's back. He jumps through the door. He's about to get her. But no, she pops a cap in him and it's over and done with. Um, I wouldn't say, I would say that there are more um, anticlimactic scenes at the end of movies. And this ending did not disappoint. I think the battle between woman and beast was prolonged long enough, but it didn't get overdrawn. And that's where it ends. Vic shows up now that the the cheating's been atoned for. Exactly. <laughs> now he can come in his car that worked to see his wife. Like the he jag. drove in the jag in the working car to go see about his wife. Now, yeah, exactly. Well, that's where the film ends, Suki. Um, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes gave this one a sixty percent review. Um. Metacritic gives it 57% and then IMDb 6 out of 10. So 60% as well. So they're all kind of level across the board. I don't think that I can agree with that. I think this is a very good film. It builds suspense. It just at a, at a very high elite level. You can't wait to see what happens as soon as she opens that door. Suspense is built so well in this film that you just can't look away from it. Mm -hmm. Now, sure. There's the story of, you know, the, the woman atoning for her infidelity. Uh -huh. But since that is the story, don't you yeah. think it was told well? I do. I do think it was. I told, I think it was told well. And I think it was, you know, it came from Stephen King. But the book and the movie are so different. Um, and they don't flow that well. But the, the main point that there was this rabbit dog and a woman defeated it and saved her son was, was delivered. It was given to you. That that came across. Yeah, it did. Mm. So those are my final thoughts. We got your final thoughts. I want to go ahead and remind you guys that you can find everything on SlasherSports.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at SlasherSports and on Instagram at SlasherSportsMedia. We've got everything in sports entertainment from baseball to horror flicks. And of course, Slasher Sports always wants to hear from you. Whether you listen to Christian's Major League Baseball content and want to know his thoughts on your favorite team's trade deadline pickups, or if you listen to Hit City and want to hear me and Suki debate your favorite horror flicks, give us a shout. We're going to share those links real soon. And as you go into the weekend, may you drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children. See you next week.